Our Bible reading today is going to be from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. You can find this passage in the Church Bibles on page 970. So Matthew 6, verses 5 to 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep up do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, folks, we're beginning a new series today uh, in what's called the Lord's Prayer. And our objective is that um, we would have a renewal in our own prayer lives uh, as we immerse ourselves in this prayer line by line uh, over the next six weeks. Now, obviously, this prayer has played a massive role in the Christian church over the last 2,000 years. Some people pray it uh, every single day. I used to pray it, uh, I used to have to recite it in Welsh three times a week, so I could have come up here and we used to sing it in Welsh as well. Um, But this prayer is really a a pattern for for how we should pray. Uh, The focus for the first three requests is upwards, and then uh, there are three requests to do with, with God's glory, and then three requests for our own personal well-being and needs. Who, who else recited this prayer at school? Most. I'm not sure if that's the case uh, still today. It is fairly easy to memorize, and everything reflects something we need daily. But above all, we, we constantly need to remind ourselves who we're praying to. And that's our focus for this morning, our Father in heaven. And my first point is that Jesus and the Holy Spirit reveal the fatherhood of God. And that's a noble theme to be talking about this morning. It's Trinity Sunday in a lot of more liturgical churches. They'll be celebrating the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and wearing white, which is why I've got a white collar on today. Should have coordinated with with Matt and John. First of all, though, Jesus reveals God as Father. 
The writers of the Old Testament also believed in the fatherhood of God. One of the Psalms says he's a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows. But no individual in the Old Testament, not uh, Abraham or David or Daniel, nobody actually prayed, my father, addressed God individually as father. It seems like in the Hebrew Bible, the emphasis is on God's holiness and otherness. And they were very, very careful, of course, not to repeat the, the name of God, Yahweh, so holy. But then Jesus comes and reveals who God is to us more fully. And Jesus always addressed God as Father, never anything else except one time when he was on the cross dying and bearing our sins and quoting Psalm 22, my God, my God, you've forsaken me. But Jesus addresses God as Father 60 times and the last time as he ascends to heaven, he says to his disciples, go and tell my brothers I'm ascending to your Father and to my Father. So Jesus reveals God as Father. He also reveals the heart of God as a father. Remember the famous story told in Luke uh, 15 of the lost sons. Both sons were lost, but the youngest son had requested his inheritance early, his money that he would be due when his father died, and he went and he wasted it all. He spent it and lost it all. And he came to the end of himself because there was a famine and longing to feed himself with the food that the pigs were eating. He came to his senses and he thought, hold on a sec, there is food to spare in my father's house and I'm starving. And so he decided to go back to his father but rehearsed the speech in his mind, father, I've sinned against you. Make me one of your servants. Treat me like an employee now. I've blown it. I'll relate to you in that functional way. Obviously, our lives can't be meshed together again. But the father sees his son from a distance and runs to him. And obviously, distinguished Middle Eastern patriarchs would never run. Children would run. Women might run. Young men might run. But not dignified pillars of the family. And yet here the father runs, showing his emotion, openly throwing his arms around his lost son, kissing him. He wouldn't let him rehearse his fear-filled speech. He puts a robe on him. He covers his nakedness. He covers his poverty. He covers his guilt, and he covers his shame, and he organizes a feast of celebration. This, my son, was lost, but now he's found. Let's celebrate. The fatted calf is killed. And Jesus reveals the, the Father as one whose love and forgiveness can restore any kind of wrong. There's no evil that is match for the Father's grace and love. The Father is willing to pardon and cover any sin that is repented of. But the other brother is upset. And he tells the Father, I've been slaving for you. All these years, you've never thrown a party for me. That's a picture of religion. In religion, you work for God and he pays you back with a good life. But there's no relationship there between this father and son. And the, the second son also disgraces the father in the way that he speaks to him and the way that he acts towards him. And yet the father pleads with this son also, 
Please swallow your pride. Come on, come into the party, come into the feast. The hearts of the two brothers were the same. Both resented their father's authority and wanted to be free from it. One did it through morality, one through immorality, one through religion, one through irreligion, one through keeping the rules, one through breaking the rules. Both were self-centered. And yet the father loves them both and is patient with them both and wants to celebrate with them both if they would only turn to him. This is the father heart of God that is revealed by Jesus in Jesus' teaching and in the way that Jesus interacts with everyone also around him with kindness and compassion and grace. And so when we pray to our Father, we know that we're coming to a God of unprecedented, beautiful grace and mercy and goodness who is patiently waiting for us to come to our senses and leave our pride behind and be enveloped in his grace and forgiveness and love. So Jesus reveals God as Father and Jesus reveals the Father's heart, but the Holy Spirit also reveals God to us as Father. Romans 8, 15 to 16. The Spirit that you received doesn't make you slaves so you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by the Spirit, you cry, Abba, the Aramaic word for daddy. Abba, Father. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, testifies with your spirit deep inside, we are God's children. So the Holy Spirit enables you to know I am a child of God. And so you kind of cry out in prayer, Abba, you're my father. What is the implication of this? The implication is that we can know God with all the confidence and intimacy and shamelessness and utter abandon and trust with which a child calls their father, Daddy. And this means also that the God revealed in the Bible is not the same as the God, for example, revealed in the Quran. I know we live in a pluralistic society. We have Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam, and a lot of people think, well, Christianity is just the same. There's actually a religion of supporting Southampton Football Club. It's called masochism. <laughs> but these religions are not the same. The God revealed by Jesus and the Holy Spirit is deeply relational. That's the difference. Deeply relational. The relationship of Allah to humans is a relationship of master to servants. The relationship of God to his people is father to children. You know, there's nothing like the way a baby holds you. Baby infants, they utterly trust you. And the spirit says to us deep inside, you can trust God that way. There'll be times where your parents they let you down. Times when your partners let you down, times when your politicians let you down. But the Spirit tells you deep inside, here is a Father who will never let you down. You can absolutely trust your Father because he is in heaven, where he rules in a realm 
of truth and justice and righteousness. When I went to uh, Uganda in 2002, we sang a song. First verse went like this. Your wife will let you down. Your wife will let you down. Your wife will let you down, but Jesus never fails. Next verse. Your husband will let you down. The ladies sang that one. The men, it was done in parts. But with the Father, you are safe. He will never let you down. The eternal state of God is the Father loving the Son through the Spirit. He is a community of love. And his invitation is to join the community. And it's what we all want, actually. It's what every human being yearns for, to join a community of love. Jesus and the Holy Spirit draw us to the love of the Father. Second point is that addressing God as Father is a sign that we really know him. The Aramaic word for Father that Jesus used is Abba. And in every language where, where children reach out for mummy and daddy, they want to use words that don't need teeth. Mama, dada. And in some way, this, this reveals something very basic. From childhood, we are looking for somebody who will love us unconditionally, who will never let us down, who will always be there. And the Bible says, this is the father who, who, who gives all fatherhood its name. Do you know this morning, this God as your heavenly father? Do you know him in relationship? Do you have that intimacy with him? Are you seeking it? Would you like to know the father? In his great book called Knowing God, uh, it's quite old now, J.I. Packer says this, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and of knowing God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls your life, it means that you might not understand Christianity very well at all. Father is the Christian name for God. I left a book down there. Let me, let me get it. This, is a, this book is on the, there's a few copies on the bookstore. Has anyone read this? I Dared to Call Him Father by Bilquis Sheikh, a lovely book. Uh, Bilquis Sheikh was a high-born Muslim lady who was married to the Minister of the Interior in Pakistan. Her world fell apart when, when he left her, and then she began to have dreams in which Jesus visited her, and over time, Jesus revealed the character of God to her in these dreams, in these encounters. And she began to read the Bible, and she began to dare to call God Father. And this personal and intimate view of God began to transform her life. She used to be very, very harsh towards her servants. She found that she was able to, to love her servants, to love all kinds of people, even people who treated her harshly and forced her out of the country. As she dared to call him father, this love and intimacy flowed into her life, but out of her life. Converting to Christianity meant that she had to leave Pakistan, but knowing Abba, Father, meant that she encountered love 
in a way that she'd never done before. To know God is to be immersed in love. Do you know him this morning? Another book, a couple of books, there's a, a book called The Good God by Mike Reeves. Uh, and another book written by him as well called Delighting in the Trinity. And in both books, right at the beginning, he asks a question. Uh, I'll ask you the question as well. What was God doing before the foundation of the world, before creation? What was God doing? Tell me. Yes, that's right. He was loving. He was in fellowship with the Trinity. Jesus tells us that when he prays in John 17, verse 24, Father, you have loved me from before the creation of the world. And that means the eternal state of God is love. Love is the core of who God is, a community of love. And in the gospel, the invitation is come in, come into the feast, come into the dance, come into the fellowship. At bottom, this is what every human being yearns for. I grew up in a village where every Friday and Saturday I would go with the old men to drink pints of bitter and play snooker. But I realize now that what they were yearning for was a community of love. This is what the Father is and this is what the, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are, a community of love. Another book to go further in knowing God as Father, a beautiful book, is Floyd McClung's book called The Father Heart of God. And in that book, the, the emphasis is my third point. Knowing God as Father is healing. Many of you have grown up without a dad. Some of you, your dad was absent, distant, negligent. Some of you, your dad was violent or drunk or both. But all of us have father wounds in some way. And there's no level of society that is immune from these broken relationships that often exist within families that cause such pain. Our world is plagued with an epidemic of pain. And for many, the concept of Father God might evoke response of anger or resentment or just deep sadness. Because you haven't known an earthly father who is loving, you might have a distorted view of the heavenly father's love and you need to be healed. And some of us this morning, we need to bow before God and just quietly say, Abba, Father, heal me, help me know you. Try not to resent the failings of your human parents. They were just kids who grew up and had kids. Many of us have also inflicted wounds on our children. But rejoice in the love of your Father in heaven in whom you are totally safe. Knowing God as Father brings confidence and security and wholeness. When my kids were young, my youngest Isaac would love to climb up on a climbing frame and just dive off into my arms. It never occurred to him that I wouldn't be there to catch him. And in the same way, our Father gives us great security, confidence, and healing. He is always there to catch us when we fall, and fall we will. Our Father always understands. He is always caring, always loving. 
He never forgets us, and he surpasses all that is human in love because he is our Father in heaven. Hallowed be his name. He is in heaven where he rules and reigns. Matt read that verse at the start of our service. See what great love the Father has lavished. If you're not English and you don't understand that word, lavished, it is a generous, hugely generous outpouring of love. See what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. To experience love lavished into our lives is the most healing and permanently transforming thing that can ever happen to us. And that is why this subject is a noble subject. I know many of you are anxious. I know that after the pandemic, with huge change in society, an epidemic of mental health issues, and even in the church, with all the change that is happening here, many of you are apprehensive. Keen used to sing, everybody, everything changes, but I don't feel the same. One thing that will never change is your father's steadfast love for you. And this is reason to, to celebrate and to hope in the darkness. To be a Christian isn't just to have God in some general sense, to know something about him, but you cross the line and God actually lavishes his love into your life in a felt way. And he gives you a status, children, not just legally, but his love alters who you are. You are born again as children. You're given part of the divine nature, whatever that means. I think to some extent it means that he's transforming your life into the image of the father. Like father, like son, you become like him and like him and like him as he heals you. So come to the Father. His arms are open wide. Come to him and be healed. Even though you don't need to do anything to convince him to love you, you do need to receive his love. You do need to abandon that hard heart and have a soft heart to receive his love. See in your heart of hearts what great love the Father has lavished on you. Don't just let the truth stand over you at a distance. Let it overshadow you and envelop you and be lavished by it, ravished by it. Don't just know this in a detached way. Make the connections. If this is true, you don't need to be so afraid of that thing that's weighing you down this morning, that's causing you to lose sleep. You don't need to be so afraid of the unknown future. Your father has it. It's not unknown to God. His plans for you are good. I'm preaching to myself here too. Let the fatherhood of God move from your mind to your heart. Let it move from analysis to intuition. Let his fatherhood heal you this morning. God's love heals the hurts of men and women alike from whatever sector of society or country or nation, you are the apple of his eye. We used to sing a chorus, Father God, I wonder how I managed to exist without the knowledge of your parenthood and your loving care. I will sing his praises. Let me pray.
Lord, Father, we just want to pause in your presence and pray, Abba, Father, heal me. Help me to know you. Help me to enjoy this community of Father, Son, and Spirit. Help me not to be like that older son who felt that he was just slaving for you. Help us to have hearts that are open to be ravished and loved by the community of love, Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen.